right now, maybe looking back over your life and all the things that you've been through. No doubt, like me, you've spent years trying to navigate through your life experiences. Some of you have been struggling for years, trying to suppress things that have happened to you years ago. Maybe like me, there have been times when you've questioned God about who you are and why were you created? Why did he allow you to experience so much pain? Maybe there have been things that have happened to you in your life that have left you confused and conflicted about your identity. And it is these things that have caused you to grow up angry, stubborn, promiscuous, depressed, and even suicidal. As a coping mechanism, you'd much rather forget because when you think back, all you can hear are the constant negative voices and comments of people around you, your enemies, or your so-called friends, even some family members. Many of their words are still haunting you to this day. You know what I mean. She's so bad. She's so fast. She's so grown. She ain't nothing. She ain't gonna never be nothing. She's gonna be pregnant before she's 16. She's a whore. Just look at her. Can't nobody tell her nothing. I can't stand her with her little groan behind. Or he's gonna be an alcoholic just like his father. Look at him. He's gonna be in jail by the time he's 16. Boy, you're gonna have babies all over the place. I'll be surprised if you live to see your 21st birthday. I've come to the conclusion that whoever created the saying that sticks and stones may break my bones, but words shall never harm me, they lied. However, through it all, all your adversity, regardless of the negativity of your naysayers, you were never what they said you were. You have always been who God says you were and not men. Just recently, after looking back over my life, I came to this revelation and I want you to catch it as well. I was never a bad girl, not at all. In fact, I was just the opposite and so are you. If you begin to think back, you too will remember when you were happy, a very loving, good little girl. But like me, life circumstances forced you to have to deal with situations you were way too young to handle, thus causing you to develop some bad habits. I am Elder Shanina Walker, and today on Let's Rap, we will begin our four-part series entitled Good Girl with Bad Habits of the Bible. Our thematical scripture for today is going to be coming from Psalms 138, verse 8. Let's read. The Lord will perfect that which concerns me. Your mercy, O God, endureth forever. Do not forsake the works of your hand. Our text today is going to be coming from Luke the seventh chapter, beginning at the 36th verse. Let's read. And one of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him and went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet. And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment and stood at his feet behind him weeping and began to wash his feet with her tears and did wipe them with the hairs of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with ointment. Now then, the Pharisee, which had bidden him, saw it. He speak unto him, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that touch him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answered, said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee, and he said, Master, say on. There was a certain creditor which had two debitors and one owed 500 pence and the other 50. And when he had nothing to pay, 
he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him most? Simon answered and said, I suppose that he to whom he forgave most. And he said unto him, Thou have rightly judged. And he turned to the woman and said unto Simon, See thou this woman? I entered in thine house, and thou gave me no water for my feet. But she washed my feet with her tears, and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou givest me no kiss, but this woman, since the time I came in, had not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou didst not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins which are many are forgiven, for she loved much, but to, to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And he said unto her, thy sins are forgiven. And they that sat at meat with him began to say within themselves, who is this that forgiveth sin? And he said unto the woman, thy faith has saved thee. Go in peace. Let's wrap. It is my prayer that when we're done here today, going through this text, that you will have a confidence and be confident in knowing that no matter where you are in your life, no matter what bad habit you might have at this very moment, God will not abandon you, but he will perfect everything that concerns you. I want you to know and believe me fully when I say one thing's for certain, two things for sure, the Lord will never leave you nor forsake you. How do I know this for sure? Because he promised us in his word and he is going to demonstrate it to us today through the text and the life of this sinner woman. It is here that Jesus is showing us a great example of how man is looking at our outer appearance, but God is constantly looking at our hearts. For those of you who may not be aware of what was going on prior to Luke, the seventh chapter and the 36th verse, let me just catch you up. It was here that Jesus had recently been baptized by John the Baptist and immediately he was drawn away into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil in which he overcame. Now the Bible says in Luke, the fourth chapter and the 14th verse that Jesus returned in the power of the spirit into Galilee. And there he went out his fame throughout all the land and all the regions round and about. He taught in the synagogues therein. And he became, he began to be glorified by all. So as Jesus kicks off his ministry and he began to go to and fro uh, from Galilee to Nazareth, we see that he went to Nazareth and spoke in the synagogue, but it was there that they rejected him. As a matter of fact, they became so angry that they threw him out of the city. Not only did they throw him out of the city, they wanted to kill him. But Jesus went about his way and continued to do the work of his ministry. It was at this time that he began to cast out demons. He began to heal the sick. Soon Jesus made his way back to Galilee, where he continued to preach the kingdom of God. Now in Luke, the fifth chapter, we see where Jesus called his disciples. He continued to perform many miracles. He was setting the captive free and he was ministering to a great multitude. We can clearly see that Jesus' popularity continued to grow and his name began to spread all over the region. So it was no surprise and no wonder that while in Galilee, he caught the attention of a certain Pharisees by the name of Simon. And it was here 
Simon being one of the elite of the Israel religious rulers offered Jesus what he thought was a dinner invitation to be an honored guest. However, that was not the case at all. Why do I say that? We know this because according to the customs during that time, it was common in those days, especially for the type of house that Simon had um, to give a complete bow when greeting a guest or to fall down on one's knees or incline the body as to touching the ground with your head or kissing the lower part of the person's body, their clothing, their feet, or even the dust of their feet. It's clear as we read the scripture that we can see nowhere where Simon gave Jesus this type of greeting or honor as his guest. It was also customary not only to bow and greet your guests, but to offer your guests water to wash their feet. We read nowhere where Simon offered Jesus water to wash his feet. It also was customary to anoint the head of your guests with oil when they came into your home. But right away we see Simon and how he failed to show a sacred duty of hospitality to Jesus, knowing that his name has spread it throughout the region. The bottom line was he had an ulterior motive. He had not really invited Jesus as his guest at all, but that he might question him in order to bring an indictment against him so that he might be able to observe and to judge him. I'm sure what they really wanted to know was what was the hype all about? <laughs> Who was this man called Jesus? Who was this man that could heal the sick? Who was this man that can raise the dead? Who is this man that the winds and the, the sea obey him? Who is this man that's able to perform miracles? Who is this man that's speaking to multitudes and, and feeding 5,000 with two fishes and five loaves of bread? I just want to know who is this man called Jesus? But instead of them asking Jesus straight out, and almost certain Jesus would have answered them to whatever questions they had, they decided to come with a backdoor invitation in order to bring an indictment or bring judgment against him. But what I love about Jesus, however, is that Jesus being human and divine already knew the intents and the thoughts in Simon's heart. And I truly believe this is why Jesus had no problem uh, sitting down in their presence. Despite their lack of hospitality toward him, he was still willing to sit down and have meat with them. He was still willing to answer any questions to satisfy their curiosity of who he really was. As I begin to look over this passage and begin to study it, it is here that the Holy Spirit began to speak to my heart of how it is so important for us as people of God to have the mind of Christ. Christ has given us an example here of how we should be able to go and sit in the presence of people who are enemy or people who are against us, who might not necessarily have our best interests in mind, but be able to sit in their presence with the right attitude. What do I mean by having that right attitude? What I mean is that we read nowhere in the scripture or we see nowhere in the scripture where Jesus said, if you don't know, you better ask somebody. We see nowhere where he had the big head and he began to say, you don't know who I am. You don't know that I'm the one that fed 5,000 with two fishes and five loaves of bread. For real though, you really don't know who I am? You don't know that I'm the one that spoke in the synagogue in Nazareth that they chased it out of the synagogue and chased out of the city and tried to kill? You really don't know who I am? What I love about Jesus, neither did he get offended by their lack of hospitality. He didn't get offended and decide that he was going to leave or threaten to leave them. But instead, he sat down in their presence. Despite their lack of hospitality, he was willing to answer any questions they may have to satisfy their curiosity of who he really was. You see, what we have to realize is most of the time when it comes to our enemy 
or come to people who have chosen to decide that they don't like us is really something that they see in us that they want to know. They're curious about what we have inside of us that they don't have and how we are, have the authority to be able to operate under the power that we are able to operate under. And instead of them coming out asking us, they, they instead treat us like Simon treated Jesus. It wasn't hospitable to him at all. Begin to uh, come with a backdoor invitation just to get him in there so they can see what they can find out on the slide. But I submit to you today that we have to be like Jesus. We have to have the mind of Christ. We have to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that there's going to be times with this anointing that we carry, with the calling that's on our lives, that we might be required to sit in places where you know our enemies are present. You might be required to sit where you know they're out to get you. You may be required to sit in a place where you know they're trying to set a trap for your demise. We have to trust God and know that no weapon formed against us shall prosper no matter what they bring up against you. In other words, we have to be confident and we have to be bold in the authority in which we walk in. Jesus gave us example after example throughout the entire Bible on how he walked in the boldness and the authority that was given unto him by the Father. We have to be just like Jesus. We have to, mind, have to have the mind of Christ to know that we have to walk in the boldness and the authority and the anointing that God has put over our lives no matter whose present we find ourselves in. Now, as we begin to look at Luke 7th chapter in the 37th verse, we can see it is here where the sinner woman comes on the scene. And the Bible says, behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner. Now, the Bible never mentioned to us how she looked. It never mentioned her by name. It never mentioned her by age. It never mentioned to us about her genealogy. But what it does mention to us is that she was a sinner. In other words, she had a reputation out here in these streets. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody ever had a reputation? Have you ever had a reputation of being scandalous? Have you ever had a reputation of being a prostitute? Anybody ever had a reputation of being a homemonger? A reputation of being unclean? Maybe you have a reputation of being a liar. A reputation of being manipulative. Or maybe I could bring it in today's vernacular. Maybe you have a reputation of being a thought. Or F-boy. And I'm not talking about a flyboy either. Maybe you have a reputation of being a hood rat or a thief. No matter what reputation you may have found yourself in or under, I'm sure at some time or another, we all can relate. At some time or another in your life, we've all had a reputation that preceded us. Now, as we read the scripture, we can see that this sinner woman was known for her reputation. It was common knowledge to all who knew her. No doubt she had to deal with them uh, making comments about her in public. She had to deal with those who whispered behind her back. She had to deal with the looks and the snares that they gave her. She had to look at... Um, and their faces with disgust and disdain. There were even those who took measure to avoid her company, which was evident by Simon's comment. But I want to submit to you today that she was not a bad girl. She was not a bad girl at all. In fact, she was a good girl. She just had some bad habits, which we're going to be able to see as we cover this text. Now, when we look at the word habit, when we look at what habit means, habit means a settled or regular tendency, a pattern or routine a practice, especially one that's hard to give up. So when we look at this girl, we look at this woman, we know that she had a habit. She had a habit that she was settled in. She had a habit that was a regular tendency of hers. It was a pattern or a routine, but either way, it was a practice that she found hard to give up. Some say it was prostitution. The Bible never said, however, no doubt whatever particular sin she was into, this thing was hard to let go of. This thing had become a part of her. It maybe was a part of her livelihood. We don't know exactly what it was, but the Bible says that she was a sinner woman. It was enough that everyone took 
notice everyone knew her reputation so much so that Simon assumed if Jesus was a prophet, he would have known automatically what type of reputation she had. What Simon failed to realize is that she was not at all what she had allowed herself to become. Although she had a reputation of how others saw her, she was indeed not her reputation. I submit to you today that in fact, she was a good girl. She just had some bad habits. Now the Bible says that when she learned or when she knew that Jesus sat at meat at Simon the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster box. Now me being who I am and very exquisite, I couldn't help but ask the question, how did she learn or how did she know that Jesus was at Simon's house? Could it have been the fact that indeed she was a prostitute, that it was her job to know the coming ins and coming out of people in the city? It was her occupation, so it was in her best interest of her business to find new prospective clients that she can add to her list. Or maybe because she was invited by Simon the Pharisees herself to show up that she might be the one to bring out the accusation or indictment against Jesus. After all, she did know Jesus was there. She did know where Simon lived. After all, Simon did know what kind of woman she was saying it himself. Or maybe it was neither one of those scenarios. Just maybe it could have been that deep down on the inside, she was really a good girl. She just had some bad habits. And she had heard about this man named Jesus, a man that could heal the sick, that could raise the dead, that could set the captive free. A man whose reputation was well known all, all throughout the region. No doubt I can only imagine in my mind that she was just fed up with these habits that she had been living with for so many years. These habits that she had become accustomed to and she knew only Jesus could help her. As I began to think about all those scenarios and begin to think this thing through, I came to the conclusion that what really matters was not how she managed to get there, but what really mattered is that once she was there, she had a supernatural encounter with Jesus. Now the Bible says when she knew he was there, she bought an alabaster box of ointment. Now alabaster box is a precious stone found in Israel. It's a mineral or a rock that resembles white marble. So this alabaster was carved into a little box and this little box was used um, to keep oils pure, to keep oils from and perfumes from becoming unspoiled, that it might be used to anoint oneself for a special occasion or to prepare a body for a burial. There's no doubt in my mind that she knew within her heart that if I could just get to this man, Jesus, that I know my life would not be the same. She had to know that it would not be business as usual. It would not be an ordinary encounter that she was about to have. This is why instead of putting the perfume or the ointment on her, like she may have done so many times before, she brought the entire box with her. Something happened when she came into the presence of Jesus. When we look at verse 38, it says, she stood at his feet behind him weeping. Immediately, her life began to change. In an instant, the pain, the guilt, the stain of her past, and all the issues of her life began to flow out of her heart in the form of tears. She began to do what came natural. That thing was already on the inside of her before she even reached Jesus. She was not a bad girl. In fact, she was a good girl. She just had some bad habits. I couldn't help but think about the words that Simon used when he said, if Jesus only knew what manner of woman she was. And I can't help in my mind but to wonder what manner of woman was she? I can only imagine sister girl must have had it going on. Maybe she had a beautiful face. She had long flowing, beautiful hair. No doubt she had a body that was a 36, 24, 36. After all, everybody knew her. Her reputation preceded her. I'm sure it was nothing for her to get the attention of her man. But here she stand behind Jesus weeping 
as a sign of humbling herself, knowing and feeling that she is not even worth standing in his presence face to face. She began to weep at his feet with her tears. She was so overwhelmed by his presence that her tears were flowing so much to the point that they covered his feet. Then the Bible says she nailed down as a sign of surrender, taking on the form of a servant, even to the lowest state, as she began to take her hair and wipe off her tears, as she began to wash Jesus' feet with the hair of her head. In those days, we know that a woman's hair was her glory, but here she is. She took what was considered to be her glory and humbly submitted it to the use of drying the Savior's feet. Then she kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment that she had in the alabaster box. I submit to you, she was not bad. She was a good girl. She just had some bad habits. As we begin to look at Luke 7 and 39, now we see what the Bible says, that when Simon the Pharisees, which had invited Jesus, saw this, he said unto himself, this man, if he was a prophet, would know. He would know what sort or what manner of woman this is that was touching him. For she is a sinner. In other words, she ain't nothing. She ain't never going to be nothing. She's a sinner. And if Jesus were who he said he was, if he was really a prophet, he would know what she does. He would know what manner of woman she is. So here it is. Although he never spoke it out of his mouth, it was in his heart just the same. The indictment against Jesus. So here Simon stands talking about this man, if he really was a prophet. Ain't that just like people waiting and watching, seeing what they can do, seeing what they can use against you to try to discredit you? Even though Simon already knew who Jesus was, he's hollering this man to himself. Even though he already knew the miracles that Jesus had performed, even witnessed them firsthand, he's saying this man, if he was a prophet, even though he had already heard about Jesus' teaching, even though he already knew what Jesus was all about, he still attempted to discredit him within himself. I want you to know that just like Simon knew who Jesus was, your enemy knows you. He sees what and who you have the potential to become. That is why he is fighting you so hard to discredit you. He knows it's not just about you, but the work of the ministry. He knows there are souls that are attached to your life that you are accountable for. Our biggest tactic from the enemy is the defeated thoughts that he put in our mind. He wants you to think that you're a bad person, that you will never be free, that you will never be able to change. But I want you to know today that you are not a bad person. You just have some bad habits and those habits can be broken by the blood of Jesus. All you have to do is renew your mind by the word of God. We look at the 40th verse, Jesus being who he was and full of the Holy Spirit which is the spirit of discernment and able to discern the intent and the thought of man hearts. He openly read Simon saying, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he said, teacher, say it. <laughs> he going to tell Jesus, go ahead, say it, say what you got to say. And Jesus began to, to answer the thoughts that he had in his mind. And it was right here that Jesus began to give a parable. He said, there was a certain money lender who had two debtors, one owed $500 and the other owed 50. But since they both had nothing to be able to repay with, he forgave both of them. Which one would love him more? Simon said, I suppose the one who owed him more, who had graciously been forgiven of more. Jesus said unto him, you have judged correctly. Then the Bible says in the 41st verse, Jesus brought it to the now. Sometimes you just have to make it plain. Jesus brought it to him in reality. While looking at the sinner woman face to face, Jesus said unto Simon, he said, do you see this woman? In other words, look at her. No, really, really look at her. 
I'm talking about this woman. I'm talking about this woman who you feel some kind of way about. I'm talking about this woman who has a reputation throughout the region. I'm talking about this woman who is a sinner. This woman who you see as nothing. This woman who is broken. This woman who has some bad habits, but in no way is she a bad person. He said, I entered your house and you did not give me water for my feet. But with her tears, she have wet my feet with the hairs of her head and wiped them. When I entered your house, you did not greet me with a kiss. But this woman, from the time I entered, she has not stopped kissing my feet. When I entered your house, you did not anoint my head with oil. But this woman, she anointed my feet with ointment. In conclusion, I love what Jesus did next. In the 47th verse, he put any future speculation of this woman's life to rest. There was no doubt at what and who she was in her past. But from this moment on, it will not be her future. Jesus made it very clear that she was not a bad girl. Not at all. In fact, she was a good girl. She just had some bad habits. Verse 47, Jesus spoke directly to her naysayers. He wanted them to know that she was no longer the same person, that she was changed, that all her sins had been forgiven. So Jesus said directly, for this reason, I say unto you, her sins, her sins, which were many, her habits, which were many are forgiven for she loveth much, but to whom little is forgiven. He loves little. Jesus was letting us know here in this passage that this woman had many sins, that she had many things that she was grateful for, many things that many sins that he had forgiven her for. And those who have many sins loves much, but those ones who are self-righteous like the Pharisees who thought they had it all figured out, who thought that they had no problem, they loved little. Their love for Jesus was not the same. Their love for Jesus could never be on the level that the love of this sinner woman's love was. Jesus had forgiven her for much. Too much is forgiven. She loved much. And because she loved much, Jesus came to her defense. I love the fact that she didn't have to say a word. That Jesus looked at those who were coming against her and he silenced them. After he let them know the deal, then he turned back to the woman and let her know in the 48th verse that your sins are forgiven. In other words, what Jesus was saying to her is you are not what people have spoken over your life, that you are not a bad girl. In fact, you were just a good girl with bad habits. In conclusion, as I begin to look at the scripture, I begin to wonder, one might think that it would have been enough to keep those standing around in silence as they watched her receive her deliverance, but that was not the case and neither will it be in your life. We can see after all was done, after all that Jesus has said to the Pharisees, still they didn't get it. They could only see her outward appearance for who she was and not who she had or who she would become. So with their self-righteousness, with the thoughts in their mind, all they could do as they sat around the table with Jesus was give a negative comment again to themselves in the 49th verse saying, who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus discerning their thoughts once again, looked at the woman and said unto her, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. In other words, what he was saying to the woman was it doesn't matter what anyone says to you from this day forward, no matter what they say to themselves personally, or whether they say it to you, to your face, your faith has made you whole. Be at peace. You are never a bad girl. In fact, you are a good girl with some bad habits. 
as a reminder, you can just believe that God will perfect that which concerns you. David reminds us once again in Psalms 138 and 8, the Lord will work out his plan in my life for your faithful love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not abandon me for you made me. We can trust as long as we are pursuing God's purpose for our life and seeking him and uh, allowing his word to transform our minds. God will passionately commit to fulfilling his purpose in us. I just wanted to encourage your hearts today that you might know with all certainty that no matter what situation you're in, no matter what habits you might have at this very moment, that God will never abandon you or the works of his hand. He will complete that which he has begun in you. You are his workmanship, his investment. He will ultimately bring you to perfection and completion. No one can stop God from doing what he has purposed to do in you before the foundation of the world. Your faith is what will bring you out. Your faith will save you from the habits that you have formed in your life. Go in peace. You don't have to worry. You don't have to fear. You are free. Be transforming your mind with the word of God because whom the son set free is free indeed. Let's pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you for this teaching today. God, we thank you for looking on the inside of us, God, and not seeing us as man see us. God, we thank you for assuring us and letting us know that we are not bad people. God, we just have some bad habits, and there is no habit or no stronghold that's too hard for your blood to break. Lord, we just thank you and we praise you. We release it all into your hands. We give it to you, oh Father. Every habit, every stronghold, we dismiss it. God, we denounce it today in the name of Jesus. God, we thank you and we praise you for what you're doing and what you're going to continue to do in our life. It is in your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I do hope you have enjoyed today's teaching. We want you to keep your eyes open for part two, Good Girls with Bad Habits of the Bible. Also, we want you to continue to support, continue to listen, like, comment, and share. Follow us on Facebook at Yasha Ministry Walker, S-H-A Ministry Walker on Facebook. We also want you guys to join our group page, which is Let's Wrap Relationship group page. Also, keep in mind that we do give away gifts for supporters giveaway. All you have to do to be um, included into our giveaway is continue to like, continue to comment, continue to share, share, share this podcast. As always, I love you. Elder Walker love you, but God love you more. Have a blessed day.